Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. I wanted to start off the sermon today by talking about underwear. Good, good. You guys are with me? Uh, and, I'm, and I'm truthfully going to start off the sermon about underwear. My grandmother passed away a little bit over a week ago, and last Saturday we had her funeral. We had one of those times where we got to sit around and talk about, you know, those stories about your, your parent, your grandparent, and it was a very sweet moment, uh, and my grandmother used to work in, I don't have any other name for it, but the underwear factory in Jackson, and, uh, and so what, one of the benefits of working in the underwear factory was that you could get all of the irregular underwear for free, right? So... If uh, if you're not if you're too bougie to know what irregular <laughs> underwear is, it's it's when something didn't happen right on the assembly line, right? Like maybe one leg's a little too small and one's kind of baggy, or or there's other problems too that can happen with underwear that things don't work out quite where they're supposed to be. Nevertheless, when that happens, they stamp or they used to they stamp in big letters across the 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 booty, irregular, right? So it was like. These don't pass the test. They're unqualified. They don't have what it takes. <laughs> Irregular. Okay? Now, the reason I know all this about my grandmother is every Christmas, <laughs> we would get piles of irregular underwear, me and my brother. And so I had no idea that other kids didn't wear the irregular underwear until middle school when you're dressing out for gym. And they're like, Irregular. You got irregular underwear. Look at all irregular over there. And I'll tell you right now, it's a real boost to one's ego when you're in middle school to have the irregular underwear. Well, and if and if you're trying to go like, what is that's a funny story, sure. It absolutely ties into what we're talking about today. All right? Because at some point you've you in your life and I in my life have felt irregular. Like we didn't quite fit. We don't, we don't have what it takes. We're, um, and I got a lot of this from a, a message from Stephen Furtick, so I'll go ahead and tell you that up front, from a, series, a sermon series he's called Unqualified. And so you're going to hear me use that word a lot this morning. You know, it, it's just, it feels like sometimes we're unqualified. We don't have what it takes. And you can fill in the blank on whatever that is for you, you know, whether it's your underwear or something else bigger in your life, like living a life pleasing to God. Sometimes that's just like, I don't have what it takes. Uh, another example, and this one is a little closer to home for me anyway, is that um, six years ago, I was appointed to the Board of Education as a board, a board member representing District 1 and later was elected. But I'll tell you, going into those first few meetings, I felt unqualified. I do not have what it takes to be in this room with the leaders of Newton County. I didn't think I had what it takes. I still, to this day, wonder, do I have what it takes? And, and, and as you guys know, in the last two years, just with everything that, that has to do with COVID and all of the different um, political decisions that are, that are made, man, I, I've really been searching and asking, do I have what it takes? 
you know, Lord, did you qualify me for this? Is this what, you know, you want me to do? And look, it's not just those areas of my life. It is being a, a, a dad. Like, I don't, do I have what it takes to be a dad, a, a good husband, um, a leader in the church? Oh, my gosh. When I think about that one, like, boy, I'm not only unqualified, half the times I feel like I'm disqualified. Like, I don't, I don't have what it takes. And I bet a lot of you feel the same way. Just about living a, a godly life, living as a Christian, you go, man, I don't know if I have what it takes. There you go. See, someone agrees already. The goal of this series, this, these lies that we believe, is, is that we're trying to counter these lies, lies with the truth of God. So as, as Pastor Scott, when he started this whole series, he says, you know, we have all these thoughts in our brain, and we, we create these paths in our brain. And so what we're trying to do is now take those lies, announce them, say, oh, we've, we've, we've recognized this lie, and now combat it with the truth of God, which would be Scripture, and then rewire our brains to be thinking Scripture, right? So to go ahead and jump to the very end of the message, I'll tell you that the, the, the way we want to rewire our brain today and the, the Scripture verse that I'd love for you to think on and remember and memorize, and most of you already know it, so it's going to be more about us being obedient to it, it's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who, th who strengthens me. And that doesn't mean jump out of an airplane without a parachute. And so I think we're just going to talk a little bit more about it so we can understand what it means. Now, here's the problem with, with lies, at least with good lies that kind of trick you. And that is there's some portion of truth in there just enough that you'll believe it, right? So if I came out and said, there's a, a one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater in the balcony, you'd probably be like, eh, that sounds like a lie. It's a lie. Now, if I said, I'm six foot four, you'd go, eh, maybe. Six foot three and seven eighths. So it's close enough, right? It's close enough for you to go, okay, well, that might be true. And so that's the problem with today's lie. So the lie is, I don't have what it takes. I'm unqualified. I feel unqualified. And here's what I want you to know today. The partial truth in that is, on your own, in your own strength, by your own merit, you're not qualified. We don't have what it takes. But instead... It's, a, it's a, a lie that's kind of true, a true lie. Is that a thing? And so here's what I want you to hear today. This is point number one, is that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those he calls. Okay, he doesn't, God doesn't qualify. He, he doesn't call those he's qualified. He doesn't find someone who's got it all together and then goes, that's the one I want. Instead, he calls someone and then he qualifies them. And so just some people in Scripture, Moses uh, was unqualified. He had a speech impediment. David was an adulterer. Rahab was a prostitute. Peter denied Jesus. Paul was a murderer. Jacob was a liar and a schemer. And Jonah was so rebellious that he became fish food. So if you're feeling today that maybe you're unqualified or you don't have what it takes, then you're in good company because that's who God calls and then qualifies. And so let's look at one of the most unqualified characters in Scripture. And, and I, I personally just love this story of Moses. And so just a, a quick uh, 
background. Mo, uh, during the, the, the huge famine, uh, this is kind of the end of Genesis, and um, the Israelites, God's chosen people, uh, there's a famine in the land, and so they have to move to Egypt to, to eat, to find food. And so the Israelites wind up in Egypt uh, at the beginning of Exodus, and they've been there for years now, uh, living in a pretty good um, you know, relationship with the Egyptians. Uh, and then an evil Pharaoh takes over, so an evil king of Egypt takes over, and he doesn't like the way the Israelites are growing in number, and so he begins to enslave them. And then the Israelites are treated terribly by uh, Egypt, by the Pharaoh. Uh, they're given impossible tasks to do with no resources, uh, and they desperately needed to be rescued. They needed to get to the promised land. And so God calls an unqualified desert-dwelling fugitive named Moses. Moses grew up. He's an Israelite, a Hebrew, but he grew up adopted in Pharaoh's family. So he was kind of like royalty. But Moses, in a, in a Moses kind of moment, uh, sees a couple of people fighting, an Israelite and an Egyptian, and he sees them fighting, and he winds up killing the Egyptian. So Moses commits murder, and then he tries to hide it, tries to cover it up. Pharaoh finds out. Pharaoh comes after him. And we find Moses now, and we pick up in Exodus 3, Moses has been on the run, hiding in the desert for 40 years, right? So if you think you got some bad stuff in the past, 40 years ago, Moses committed murder, and he's hiding in the desert, and then you know this part of the story, Moses in the burning bush. So we'll look at uh, Exodus 3, beginning of verse 7. In this burning bush, the Lord speaks to Moses, and he says, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries for distress, of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering, and so I have come down to rescue them. God says he has come down to rescue them. That's good news. But verse 10 says, now go, the Lord speaking to Moses, he says, now go, for I'm sending you, Right? God said he was coming down. That sounded like good news. Instead, he goes, yeah, I'm coming down because I'm going to use you, Moses. So he says, uh, now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, uh, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I? Who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Man, first of all, I'm just glad that God speaks to us when we don't have it all together. When God speaks to us when we're hiding, when we're trying to run. It's not, he didn't wait for Moses to get it all together. He sought Moses out and he calls Moses and now we're going to see him qualify Moses. But Moses says, who am I? I don't have what it takes. I'm, I'm unqualified. Moses would even say he's disqualified. And just like God called Moses, I believe calling, God is calling you. God's calling you to live a life of holiness. God's calling you to pray, to, to read his word. God's calling you to serve him in church. God's calling some of you to get in a growth group. God is calling you to serve outside of the church. But you just feel sometimes like, I don't have what it takes to do those things. All right. There's three common ways that we feel unqualified, and I think we'll see this from Moses' story. Number one, and we're, these are all going to be I am statements so I am dysfunctional. I'm dysfunctional. You know that, that thing that, that only you know, that every time you think about doing something for God, you're like, oh, but uh, that thing, 
that thing that you struggle with that you don't want to talk about in growth group or that thing that you hide that keeps you hidden from other people. Maybe it's the way in which you go, hey, will you pray for my friend who is struggling with whatever, right? It's like, that's me. So it's just, there's a, this, I am dysfunctional. I don't have what it takes. I'm deficient. The second one is I'm deficient. And I know you, you probably say this too. Just like Moses in, in verse 10, uh, chapter 4, more excuses from Moses. So Moses pleads with the Lord and he says, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I, I never have been. I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Moses is saying, I'm deficient. I, I don't have what it takes, Lord. You got the wrong guy. Like I, the burning bush, that's great, but I... That's not me. I can't go do this. Do you ever feel like maybe God's called you to do something but then didn't give you the wiring to do it? I mean, do you know what I mean? You've ever had that feeling where, you know, oh, man, my friend, my real friend, not my friend, but my friend is going through a tough time, and I feel like I want to go pray with him. But then you tell yourself, what the heck am I going to pray? Like, I don't know what to say. What if I say something dumb? Anybody? No? Like just me? Like, oh, praying out loud? Ooh, I don't know. That's weird. Like, I don't have the right words. There's some big words that I don't even know. Like, what do I say? I feel like we don't have it. We don't have what it takes. We're unqualified. And oh, man, here we are. We're always talking about discipleship, right? Discipling someone, sharing your faith with someone. Go share the gospel. Go. And then we have that, man, I know that guy needs to hear the gospel. I, I know he does. I don't have what it takes. I'll invite them to church. That's step one. And that's good. That's good. But it, doesn't it come out of a place of I don't have what it takes? I don't have what it takes to lead somebody to the Lord. And so we have this deficiency. And the third one is just doubt. I am doubtful. Like, can you really use me? I mean, you know me. I know me. Do you know me? And I know a lot of you... Um, could probably repeat this line with me. So let's do this together, right? This famous breakup line, right? It's not you, it's me, right? That, that's what Moses is saying here. I know you're big and powerful. I know you created all this. I know you have brought, you will bring the Israelites out. I know you will. It's not you, it's me. I can't do this. I am unqualified, And I want you to hear this now. Listen, as unqualified as Moses was based on his ability, that's the truth of the lie, right? As unqualified as Moses was based on his ability and as disqualified as he was based on his history, God used him anyway. And it's the same for you and me. Maybe God is trying to use you today. Maybe you feel unqualified based on your ability. Maybe you feel disqualified based on your past, but God wants to use you. 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 And Moses was obedient, although argumentative, because he believed in God, not in himself. And y'all, listen, we live in a world right now where everyone's like, believe in yourself. You can do it. Not knocking it, but I don't know that we can. Apart from Christ, 
I don't know that we can. And I think that's the point I want to make today is that God can use you, but he's got to qualify you. God can use you, but we need that qualification. And so what qualifies us to be used by God? Let's just answer this question. What qualifies us? And this is a very Sunday school answer. It's Jesus. Jesus qualifies us. Okay, that's it. That's that easy. Let's go. It, let's, let's go a little deeper. It's his name. Christian, we carry his name. Do you understand? We carry that name. And with that name comes all of that strength and power that's given to Christ is given to us. It goes through Christ, through us. That's our qualification. And so let's look back at what happened to Moses. God gives the broken the gift of his identity. God gives the broken the gift of his identity. And that's you and me. We are broken. That's not great news. But the good news is he gives us the gift of his identity. And here's what I mean. So we look back at Moses. Uh, Moses is like, you know, how in the world could you use me? Exodus 3.14. And God says to Moses, I am who I am. See, Moses, when, when they ask you, who sent you? Who sent you? You tell them, I am sent me. I am. I, I am everything. I am always been. I am now. I am always will be. There's no better name for God than I am. It's all everything. So Moses, go tell him I am sent you. And when we try to carry his name, I am we like to fill in the blank. Instead of saying, I am sent me, we say, I am dysfunctional. I am deficient. I am doubtful. I am unqualified. I am a failure. I am no good. I am scared. I don't know. But it is his identity that qualifies you. And where I want to end today is just I just want to riff for a minute here on First Peter, I mean on uh, Peter's life in Matthew. So Matthew 16, I want to show you a picture of now Jesus in the flesh, God in the flesh, Jesus on earth, talking to Peter. And you guys know Peter. We love Peter. He's a great guy. He's impetuous. He's passionate. He's like human. He's fully human, right? He makes great decisions and he makes boneheaded decisions. And I can relate to that because he's following Christ. And so here we go. Chapter 16, verse 13 says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his, his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? That would have been a name that Jesus used, a title he used for himself, Son of Man. It harkens back to Daniel 7, and you can go read that about who the Son of Man is. But So Jesus asked him, who, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But then he asked him, but who do you say I am? 
I want you to hear that because the disciples are definitely hearing an echo of that Moses story. Because who is God? What's his name? I am. That's who sent me is I am. And Jesus looks in the face of the disciples and said, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. When he says you are the Messiah, Messiah is the, is the word for anointed one. You are the, the Christ. You are the king. And what, what Peter is proclaiming in this moment is you are the son of God. You are my everything. You are the king. I get all of my identity from you. I'll follow you forever and ever and ever because you are it. You are I am. And Jesus re replies, you are blessed Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You'd not learn this from any human being, and now I say this to you. You are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it, and I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. When, when Jesus asks Peter, who do you say I am? It is the most important question that all of us must answer. This is the most important question you'll ever answer. Who do you say Jesus is? When you confront Christ and he says to you, who do you say that I am? Do you go, ah, you're a really cool guy I like to hear about on Sunday. He's going to go, hmm. When you say, oh, you're a great teacher. I really like some of the moral laws and stuff that you have. It built our country. He's going to go, hmm. While all these things are true, the right answer to who do you say that I am is you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You are my everything. And I'll follow you anywhere. And see, here's what happens in that moment. When we get the identity of Jesus right, then he gives us our identity. Do you hear me? Like when, when we get the identity of who Jesus is, when we answer that question rightly, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. Now, and only after that, do we then hear, and here's who you are. Here's who you are now. Peter, you're going to start the church. And the church is still here today, 2,000 years later, and the church will never fail according to Scripture. That's a crazy promise given. That's a crazy identity that Peter gets in Christ. And so it just leads me to this today. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Just like Peter, just like the other disciples, just like Paul would go on to say, in my weakness, you are made strong right? And so what we see is when you get that question right, who do you say that I am? When you get the identity right, now you're qualified. Now you're qualified. So can we just repeat the verse together? Not on the screen. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And you can, and you will, when you get the identity right. 
So the question today is, who do, you, who do you say he is? And when you get that right, you're ready. You're ready. What does it mean to carry his name? What does it mean to get it right, that question right? And then what are the implications of that? Because if you get the question right, and I think most of you in here today, I think you would go, yeah, I, I know that. I got that right. He's the Christ. I believe that. Then here's the hard part. He's now given you identity. You have it. You can now do all things through Christ. You can lead that growth group. You can. You can disciple that guy or that gal. You can. You can, you can flee from that sin that keeps bothering you. You can. You can. And if you think, oh, it's about happiness. Or, no, no, no. It's about who you are in Christ. Who are you in Christ? And once you know who you are, then it's about obedience. So be obedient today. Those of you who have answered the question rightly, be obedient today. Take whatever that next step it is in your life, in your Christian walk, and, and do it. You already know what it is. You, there's a conversation you're supposed to have with somebody, a hard conversation. You hadn't been having it. That's, not, that's the Holy Spirit telling you, today, do that. Be obedient in that right? Men, it's like, hey, pray for your family. Pray for your wife. Pray for your kids. Pray for a, a growing holiness in your life. That's the Holy Spirit saying, do that today. Be obedient in that. If you've answered the question rightly, you have an identity. You can do all things through Christ. Now do it. Walk in it. And that's it. That's it. If you are feeling unqualified today, it's partially true. In your own flesh, in your own strength, we're unqualified. We're irregular. But all praise be to the one who has purchased us with a price, who spilled his blood for us, who covers the irregularities and the unqualifications, and said he calls us his own. And then he says, walk in obedience. That's the call today, church. That's the call. Answer the question rightly and walk in obedience. Let me pray for us. Father, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for the way in which you, oh, through your Holy Spirit, you convict us and you then encourage us. And today we, we often, like Moses, we have excuses. And we don't feel like we're enough and we don't have what it takes, but you've changed all that. And all we have to do is answer that question rightly now when you ask us who you are. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You are my king. I'll follow you. Now, Father, would you just give us a spirit of obedience, not obedience to any person but obedience to your son Jesus obedience to your word and Lord let us walk out of here and walk in holiness knowing that you have qualified us and you've given us your name to carry and we want to honor you and do that rightly we'll trust you and we'll give you all the honor and praise for it's in Christ's name that we pray amen
Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church slash give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you, we love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.